0: Alright, so Matt is now rolling on the floor (laughs) Oh my god Hey guys, welcome to the Matt Brown Show This podcast is powered by The Little Kung Fu And I'm proud to bring you the stories of entrepreneurs Hustling today's markets and building and creating Great things in their own lives and in the world of business So earlier this week, uh, John Sane reached out to me and he was like, dude, have you uh, had Gilon Gork on your show yet? And I was like, no. (laughs) Um, But if you can connect me to him, by all means, I'd love to have him on to the show. Now, if you guys are not familiar with who Gilon is, he is known as a mentalist. Now, there's various connotations that go along with that, that particular label. But he's way more than a mentalist. He is a master at reading people. And this episode's so, so, so relevant to entrepreneurs. So, how do you build rapport with a prospect or with a client or with anyone for that matter? And how do you influence them in order to get what you want in business? This is a power episode where we unpack how entrepreneurs can pick up nonverbal and visual and psychological cues in order to influence what you want in business. And pay particular attention to the part of the show where Gilan literally pulls an image out of my head. Legit. He pulled an image out of my head without knowing what it was. That's just crazy. So this show is awesome, and I'm hugely grateful to have had the time that I did with Gilan. And so without further ado, enter the mentalist. Hey guys, welcome back to a new edition of the Matt Brown Show and (laughs) it's going to be a little bit different, I imagine, than uh, what you're used to. And the simple reason for that is that I'm actually sitting here with Gilon Gork. Gilon, say how's it? Hey guys. So how would you describe yourselves? I mean, if you Google Gilon Gork, which I have done, uh, it says the mentalist and there's some videos up there about you reading people's minds. Uh, But how would you like to position yourself for this particular episode?
1: Well, I, I mean, my positioning is really as, uh, like you say, as a mentalist, um, just so people know the spelling of my name, Gilan, is kind of like the city Milan in Italy, but with a G, because it's quite an unusual, unusual name. And the term mentalist is quite an unusual term as well. It's actually a marketing term. I mean, anyone can call themselves a mentalist. You don't have to get a, a degree to be that, you know, but if I just help explain how I'm positioned as a mentalist, um, you know, someone who, remembers lots of names, like you get these people who remember like 200 names of people and where they're from. They could call themselves a mentalist or people who are you know really mad mathematicians. You've seen these guys do crazy stuff. they could call themselves that. For me, I specialize in being able to read and influence people. And that is a is quite a wide spectrum of techniques. So anything from psychology, um, you know, body language, nonverbal communication, even little bits of hypnosis—not in the typical form where I'm going to click my fingers and you're going to clack like a chicken. Not not that kind of stuff. But the same kind of psychology that 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 can influence people. Okay.
0: Um, so I suppose a TV reference would be The Mentalist, the show, the cop show, right? Where the guy kind of somehow by a miracle. Manages to solve these crime
1: cases, so that would be probably a very bad example of what you—a <laughs> <laughs> miracle, I suppose. I mean, you know, Hollywood creates those miracles, right? The coincidences there, <laughs> but um, yeah, Patrick Jane. I guess a lot of people have that reference. I think the storyline, I mean, I've watched two and a half episodes. So I
0: <laughs> and then you got tired of reading the script before it actually unfolded on the TV
1: screen, I suppose. Exactly, just predicted the yeah. whole. So, you know, his character, from what I understand, is based on someone who's like me. So you get some mentors who go out there and they'll do stuff, like you use the term mind reading. And some mentors will try and create... Um, You know, basically to say that they've got supernatural powers. And I'm the first person, I actually start my shows off saying to people, what you're about to see may seem like psychic or supernatural abilities, but it's actually not, right? I mean, that's the furthest from the truth. I'm using abilities that I've actually learned. I've been mentored by other mentalists from the States and the UK and so on. So his character in The Mentalist, I believe, he was doing shows and professing to be psychic. And then someone killed his family, and then he started working for the FBI to try catch the guy who killed it. The, and then you see all of like the mind tricks and everything that he does to help solve the yes. solve it.
0: Okay, so so I'm I'm really excited to um, be chatting with you now for the simple reason that um, in the entrepreneurs world, being able to read body language. Uh, and I suppose science, jump in at any point if i mis mis uh misdescribe things, but um so as I was saying before, uh, we recorded that I did nLP, so I'm familiar with kind of like how to build rapport through nonverbal language. Is that kind of the the meat and potatoes of what you know we're gonna discuss today?
1: Well, body language uh nonverbal communication that is a quite a large part of what i what I teach people. I've gone all over the world presenting to entrepreneurs on just body language alone but body language is just one part of what I teach people Um, in my book Persuasion Games I go into depth about the psychology that influences and persuades us Um, and so there's a a huge psychological aspect as well how you say things or the exact words you use or the sequence that you use them and different principles triggers or switches in our minds that if you're able to switch them on or off in people you're able to mobilize them into action and to move in certain directions so you know Influence in the entrepreneur's world is so so relevant because you know the Lone Ranger, the Lone Wolf, didn't achieve anything great, right? You you need other people to to achieve. You know you need people to pull you up to success. And so if you're able to positively and ethically influence people around you, then you're able to achieve your goals a lot faster. So our effectiveness as entrepreneurs is amplified when we're able to influence and persuade the people around us.
0: Okay, and so where does an entrepreneur start? So um, where does one kick off? So let's say there's Joe and he's tuning into the podcast and they've got no idea what we're talking about. We've addressed mentalism and we've addressed nonverbal cues, but what are some examples there that will help qualify exactly what we're talking about?
1: Well, Joe, if you're listening, hi. Um, um i knew that you would tune in so <laughs> um right so what we uh <laughs> what what we're talking about here are things like Let's talk about leadership, for example. In leadership, you would use things like nonverbal communication. You know, a lot, we do live in a world where there's a lot of digital, but with the digital, people are also craving that high touch experience. And digital is moving to, you know, you look at now, uh, video calling and so on. And so you, 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 it comes back to that being able to read and influence people through nonverbal. So if you are leading people, or if you're in negotiations, or if you're selling, uh, either your ideas, or, uh, products or services, you would want to use influence, whether it's nonverbal communication or, uh, or the psychology of influence to be able to move people better. So that's the context in, in, in that term. Look, I mean, I can explain it best probably through a story, uh, just a quick story that people will find relevant. Um, certain Berners-Lee, um, he's, if that name isn't immediately familiar to people, it wasn't, to me, initially, but he's actually the man who invented the World Wide Web. Now, he worked for an organization called CERN, spelled C-E-R-N.
0: That's in Switzerland, isn't it?
1: It's the European Organization for Nuclear Research. Right? I don't know, I mean, CERN is obviously But a it's transit. the
0: CERN Collider, isn't it? Like, where they smash atoms and stuff, or am I getting that confused with something else?
1: I, I'm not sure. Okay, maybe, anyway, maybe, moving maybe. on, I'm swiftly. Sure. <laughs> uh, so... What uh, at, at the time, you know, the challenge that he faced, this massive challenge, was to influence his employers at CERN um, to agree for him to work on this thing called the World Wide Web. That was his first challenge. But once he managed to influence his employers to support him working on this thing, uh, he once he invented it, he faced an even greater challenge, and that was to influence his employers to make the World Wide Web. Available to the public royalty free. So had he failed to influence his employers, you know, and after obviously many different meetings, months and months, back and forth, eventually they agreed. Had he failed to influence and persuade them, um, the World Wide Web and actually the whole world as we know it today, it wouldn't exist.
0: Um have you just as a random question, have you read that book, How to Is it How to Win Friends? And influence, and influence People, people?
1: Carnegie. That's the one, yeah. Have you yeah. read that book? Yeah, yeah, I have read it twice. It's uh, it's one of the classics. It's definitely one of the classics. Um, it's, it's very specific on certain areas of influence. And, of course, influence is such a broad topic. You know, you can go as wide and as deep as you like. You can spend an entire lifetime... Studying it. I mean, I'm learning new things all the time. And that's a very good starting point. Um, how to win friends and influence people. I would suggest that to be the second book that you read after reading Persuasion Games, which is my book. So. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, in that order. <laughs> in, exactly in that order. No, there's some great, and I, I've also got a recommended list of reading, but you're absolutely right. That is a great one. But the story with Sir Tim Berners Lee, I think the lesson that we take out of that, and that is a story that impacts all of our lives. Is that so often in life and as entrepreneurs, we have amazing ideas, but often the ability to influence people to buy into our ideas, that is often more important than the idea itself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I suppose if you don't get buy-in, it's very hard to make anything manifest because you have to execute on what that idea is, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I always like to bring things back down into the real world. So I want to paint a scenario um, which might help, you know, qualify a little bit more around what the opportunities here are for, um, for entrepreneurs. So I spend a lot of time in boardrooms. I do a lot of public speaking um, and public speaking and pitching your idea, um, especially when you're a startup and especially when you're younger is it doesn't really come easy for a lot of people. So the scenario I just want to run past you is, let's say that um, I'm sitting in front of a prospective client. I have a digital product that I want to sell them, and, and I know what problem that it solves for the for their business. I've got a commercial rationale for it, so I'm, I'm ready to sell this thing, right? But I've got no relationship with the decision maker that's sitting across from me. And if he doesn't buy into my idea, it's probably not going to see the light of day. So what do I look for in sort of nonverbal cues? And what are some of the obvious ones to look out for so that I can influence uh, you in this case as the decision maker? Stay with us. We'll be right back. (laughs) let <laughs>
1: Great, so we're sticking on nonverbal there's obviously also the psychological stuff which i could which I could share uh, in terms of of body language and just to be clear by the way I, I'm using the terms body language and nonverbal communication synonymously, but actually body language is one component of nonverbal nonverbal communication could apply to how you look and all kinds of other things as well, but body language in that scenario, I think it's important to remember that people form 90% of their opinion about you in the first 4 minutes of meeting you is it not 6 seconds well i guess that? you can become as granular yeah, yeah, yeah. as you want i think that if you've read the, the the book blink by malcolm gladwell yes yeah so people do form instant So this is what we call heuristics, if we want to get technical. Yes, please. Uh, (laughs) A heuristic is the psychological term for, if I really kind of simplify it, it's a rule of thumb that your brain uses to make decisions or come to conclusions very quickly. So, you know, if you're you're constantly analyzing things all the time, you know? Um and and if your brain had to try and analyze and work things out from scratch all the time, it just it it would be it would take up way too much computing power to be able to do that, right? Now the brain can is really Focusing on just a couple of things at, at a time. And it always also wants to be aware of things, have capacity to be aware of things in case of a danger or whatever the case is. So what it does is it it takes all of your experience and it starts to create these rules of thumb. So these assumptions that, that it makes. And so a heuristic, if I had to word it another way, is a strategy that your brain takes which will sacrifice accuracy of, let's say, analyzing a situation or a person. It sacrifices accuracy for speed. So in other words, if you walk into my into my uh, boardroom, I'm going to look at you and based on certain things that I see immediately in those first six seconds, I'm going to jump to a conclusion about you that may not be accurate. It could be prejudiced as well. It could be, high, exactly, extremely. But depending on my experience and my beliefs and all of that stuff, it's sacrificing actually – because that's that's a way that I'm – that's the way that I judge the world around me, that I, my brain copes with everything around me, is to create these rules of thumbs at the, and jumps to these conclusions, right? So so you want to say something? There?
0: No, no, no. It's fine. I'm, I'm nodding in agreement. Carry on.
1: Yeah. So that's – when you talk about the six seconds, that would – that's definitely important. You know, to, to make a good first impression is far easier than trying to change people's impression that they've already created about you. Mm. So there is that first like six seconds. There is, you know, how you walk in. So if, if you want to take it even before, as you walk into the boardroom, you know, some people hesitate at the door. Don't, you know, you, you walk in with a, with momentum. If you go to shake someone's hand, don't lean across the boardroom table. Walk around and shake it either on their side or over the corner of the table is also okay. okay. As opposed to leaning over the whole yeah. thing. You know, little things like that, if you want to talk about those very first impressions, obviously is important. Yeah. And even coming down to the handshake, I'm not sure if you're aware that how you shake someone's hand already starts to communicate inferiority or superiority mm. uh, or equality
0: Am I right in assuming just on the handshake piece that if you have, so it's guy to guy, right? So, mm-hmm. so is it, is it, if you have a limp handshake, what is, what would that imply?
1: Well, you know, a lot of people think that a limp, ha- uh, you know, weak handshake, limp handshake, that that immediately shows a lack of character. And that's not entirely true. So, firstly, when it comes to body language, if you're going to judge anyone, the biggest amateur mistake that people make is to try and interpret one single gesture in isolation, right? Like so, a handshake. Like a limp handshake. Yeah. Or, oh, they've got their arms folded, they're so closed off. No, maybe they're just cold. Turn the aircon up a little <laughs> bit, right? Or maybe... um Or maybe they're just comfortable like that, and that you know. So you got to always look for you know a set of gestures, or at least three signals, cues, gestures that communicate the same thing. I've met people who are doctors, surgeons, uh, musicians, fine artists, and their hands are their livelihood. Now, if someone squeezes your hand with like a really like hard handshake, what do you automatically do, Matt?
0: Um, I probably keep my hand as firm as I would normally. I wouldn't squeeze the guy's hand in response. I don't think, but that's just me. But what it, but what I would get from that handshake is that he's domineering,
1: right? But the, but what you said there is that you would make sure to keep your hand firm. You don't want it to be crushed, right? Yeah. So you're reciprocating. You're not trying to get into a competition with him to squeeze harder than him, but you are reciprocating at least the strength that he's giving you,
0: right? That's it. Yeah.
1: What happens when someone? has a slightly softer handshake with you?
0: Uh, a guy? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, guy, go. Yeah. So i that personally freaks me out. I, it's a <laughs> personal thing. <laughs> it's just like, you know, you
1: shake
0: shake a hand properly. I mean, even sometimes like I was at a client the other week and one of the owners walked in and it was one of those weird kind of like when you are head down in the trenches executing and then someone like taps you on the shoulder. So then you've got to kind of like, I'm, I'm moving now guys and then you're putting your right hand over your left shoulder so you're not in the normal position right. and i missed the handshake and like i felt and he was doing his normal like firm one and it just for me i was like i was pissed off with myself because i was like that's not how you engage with people do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's not like self-flatuation or anything but it's just a handshake for me is like the first thing that you have to get right and when, you, um, when you're when you trying to grow a business like I am, uh, it's important for me to get all those kind of EQ type things right off the get-go because I then start to worry, if I'm honest, I then start to worry what he thinks because I gave him a limp handshake. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll address a couple of things that you brought up there. So uh, uh, firstly, if someone does give a limp handshake, I've met people who will deliberately give a softer handshake And they they rely on their hands for work. They know that if they give a softer handshake, usually people are not going to crush their hands. So that's one way. Not all of them do that, but I'm just saying that some people who really want to take care of their hands, they'll deliberately not give a strong handshake. I've also met people who at first they give like a, a softer handshake and I, oh, that's interesting. I think to myself, because... Actually, this is quite a high powered person. They're in quite a prominent position. And what you also find is that sometimes people who are just extremely humble, they don't want to intimidate you, they'll actually give you a a softer handshake. Now, I'm also not using the word limp because you get the other part where it's just like got no life in it whatsoever, which I would discourage people to use. But again, if someone gives you a a softer handshake, don't label them. That's your heuristics that are just, and because we've all been taught that means that you're of weak character. It might not, and if you form that opinion about the person, you might actually miss out on opportunities as an entrepreneur because you're going to start treating that person differently. Now, with that said, about you not judging other people so quickly, it is good to be cognizant that just the way that you're probably judging others, they might be judging you back as well. Right? Absolutely,
0: yeah. It's a so, two-way street.
1: So unless you have a very specific reason to have a weak handshake, don't have it. Give Just give a nice firm handshake with about three pumps of the fist, You know, like overdo it and sit there holding their hand for too long. Um, and and he, just back to what you were saying where you gave a handshake that you were a little bit pissed off with yourself about and you thought, oh, I should have done that better. We get, I mean, there's all kinds of weird things. Has it ever happened to you where you walk up to someone and you, your hands kind of slip? Either they're slippery or you kind of miss and then you land up having like a finger yeah, shake.
0: Yeah, It's super weird.
1: I know, right? It feels like, oh, it's terrible. And the thing is that you know and they know and you know that they know that you know. Like you both know, right? No, no
0: he's so, getting weird. But no, no I'm getting weird. now he's getting yeah. more weird.
1: So you know what? People, re- people really appreciate it. If you're in this like kind of weird finger shake, just, you know, if you're listening, I'm kind of demonstrating here. It's like with the tips of the fingers shaking, you know, just say to the, just kind of smile and just say, let's do that again, you know, and then give them a proper handshake. I can't tell you how, I mean, people appreciate it because you're showing respect. Hey, let me greet you properly. And And
0: authenticity as well.
1: Yes, because yeah. a lot
0: of people wouldn't do that. They wouldn't actually, cor- sol- you know, correct the engagement because they're too shy or they're too embarrassed or whatever the reasoning might be.
1: Exactly, and mm-hmm. so often, even if you're too shy, and embarrassed, the perception is that actually you don't really care. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like that when people are going, "Hey, how are you?" finding things, you know, but you're actually now so far away from each other, you don't even stop to say to actually find out how you're going to answer the "How are you?" question. If if someone sees that you're actually acknowledging them and you and you can smile because you both know there was a weird handshake just kind of say hey let's try that again give a good handshake it will it will create a lot of rapport a lot of a lot of influence yeah
0: okay so going back to our scenario yes so we've given a great handshake we haven't balls that up (laughs) but now we're going to try and sell this prospective client a new product so how do i go about building rapport with this uh, decision maker
1: okay so building rapport uh, there's a lot that should be done in terms of active listening and all of that kind of stuff. But I, I, I won't touch on that right now. What I want to focus on, because we're on the topic of body language, is maybe to describe some gestures that you should look out for that might raise some flags and, and where people make common common mistakes. So, um, I'm gonna describe to everyone listening what it is that I'm doing, and hopefully that'll give them an idea of 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 it. And I'm gonna ask you to in- interpret, right? Okay, go. Okay, so um right now I've got my uh, I've got this microphone in my right hand. I've got my left hand uh, with my four fingers just pressed lightly on my cheek like this. and i'm I, if I'm listening to you, you're speaking to me. What do you think i'm I'm thinking or feeling right now?
0: Uh, one of two things: one, you're either bored. Because you're kind of almost disinterested, Um, or you might just complete one eighty on that, or flipping the coin, you might be really interested in what I'm saying. It's difficult to read without getting another cue,
1: right? So it's you know people see like my cheek in the palm of my hand like this, Uh, and now just to kind of go just acknowledge what you've said. You've said either I'm really bored and disengaged, or I'm really interested and right. So now if you're in a meeting, you don't know if now this decision maker, what, you, what is he? Is he bored or is he engaged? So it's a very fine line, as you've said. If your fingers are pressed lightly on your cheek, that is an engagement signal. But if the weight of my chin starts pressing down on the palm of my hand, then that would indicate that I'm disengaging. So it's very subtle. There's a variation as well, which is where people sit, and I'm gonna turn sideways so you see my profile here, but they sit with their forefinger, Almost imagine for those of you listening, if you had to put your 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 hand out as if you're uh, pointing a gun at someone. You know how kids will just go like, pew, pew, you yeah.
0: know, was that your gun sound in the, when you were a kid? Pew, well, pew. Now we, go,
1: pew, pew. Cause we all that have different my... ones. <laughs> 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 so the the forefinger, the index finger, going up the side of the cheek, almost as if you're going to scratch the, the your eye, and then the thumb is underneath the jaw, right?
0: I do that a lot here. Eh?
1: Yeah. Now it's the same thing. It's just a variation of what we've already discussed. That is interest when when uh, it's just lightly pressed next to my cheek. But if the weight of my head starts going down on my thumb, then I'm disengaging. So if you're seeing someone, do you know, I'm just kind of giving you a dramatized view of it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you recognize the difference now, right? Oh, it's a big one, actually. Yeah. Now that you're aware of it, mm. but when I first did it for you, you weren't sure. It's tough to tell that I was actually showing you engagement at first, and the first thing you thought was, well, you could be really bored. So that's a, it's a fine line, but just look for that. Something else that happens as well is if I'm speaking to you, well, let's say you're speaking to me, and I start playing putting stuff by my mouth, so I start rubbing my lips, what do you think that means? You can see my fingers are almost in my mouth. I've kind of got my, um, I've got my thumb and forefinger, index finger on the sides of my lips, just kind of rubbing them. What does that mean? Um, you've run out of lip eyes. <laughs> it could mean that, and I actually <laughs> have run out of lip eyes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, besides me trying to rub uh, you know, the I, lip eyes. but
0: the one that did come to me was your, you this internal dialogue that's running through your,
1: your brain, at the moment. Okay, what do you mm. think that that could be? What's that internal dialogue?
0: Contemplation, uh, trying to understand something that's potentially complex.
1: Okay, you're getting close. That might be also the evaluation, but yes. So let me give you. Let me tell you what. Now, let me tell you what this means. If someone is rubbing their lips or they got their fingers in their mouth. Uh, or they might put gum and play with gum in their mouth, or they, if they've got a cigarette in their hands and they're playing with it, you know, if if it's a light or not. Or if they've got the arm of their spectacles that they're kind of chewing on. Or a pen. Or a pen, the one that you just lent them two minutes ago, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that they're chewing <laughs> on. Listen, I've been the other way. I've been the pen <laughs> chewer, right? So I know how that's... A, but if that happens, that is like the adult version of... Um, sucking a dummy. Really? Yeah. So what happens when, now, you, okay, a dummy, by the way, that's what we call it here in South Africa, but overseas, say in the States, they call it a pacifier. So do you know why it's called a pacifier? Um,
0: <clears throat> I'm going to go for a pacifies, um, well, it's a pacifier, right? So it's a comfort.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah. comfort. Yeah. and that's And then we move on from that, pacifier to your blankies. And, you know, kids hit their favorite blankie and they're always kind of chewing on the corner of it, right? Um, Or whatever it is, or sucking your thumb is also pacifying movement. So now let's take that concept that you know pacifying up to when you're an adult. You're in a meeting with this guy, this decision maker. You're explaining all of this stuff. And now you see him using a pacifying movement where he's now chewing on the pen or he's rubbing his lips. What do you think that could mean?
0: He's uncomfortable um, either with the solution not being relevant for his business or that perhaps it doesn't fit his strategy um, but generally if he, or he's or he's disinterested, he's already made his mind up. so in other words, <clears throat> I would suggest then if he's pacifying adult form <laughs> in an adult <laughs> way, then um, I would suggest that you probably lost that. Okay, don't, don't,
1: don't, don't be so hard on yourself. You haven't <laughs> lost anything yet. <laughs> but you could lose it because it means that he's feeling uncertain. So like you said, if he's really thinking, he's struggling to make it fit or it's not the right solution, if you see someone doing that pacifying movement or any of those signals that we've discussed as variations, it's a good time to stop speaking and ask a question. Cool. Most people will think, oh, shit, I'm losing this person. They're feeling uncertain. Let me speak louder and faster, and see if I can just say something that's going to get their attention back. And I'm going to say that this next thing I explained, and that's going to grab them. But actually, the more you speak, the more you lose them. You don't need to be a mentalist and have to read their mind. Just stop and ask them a question. You know, do you have any any questions? Do you have anything on your mind? Uh, is this making sense so far? Um, whatever in the context of your conversation. Chances are they'll have something to say. And it, and it's a good time to hear that, so that you can give them assurances and guarantees.
0: At okay. that point, how many cues are there? I mean, I, I mean, I suppose is endless. But if you were to pick, okay, so we've done the the hands on the side of the evaluation. The evaluation. Yeah. Then when it's pressed down, we know that that's disengagement. disengagement. We know that playing with the lips or adult pacifying is probably a good time to ask a question because he's uncertain of either what you're saying or he doesn't understand something. Yeah. Um, are there any kind of very popular other ones that, that jump and that entrepreneurs yeah. should know about?
1: Definitely. I mean, a, a variation on the playing with the lips uh, and I'd say equally as common is when you're speaking to somebody and they cover their mouth either with one finger in like the shh kind of gesture, or with the whole hand, like this. Yeah. What do you think that could mean?
0: Um, has something to say but doesn't want to speak out.
1: Okay, good. That's one way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... So, I'll, so basically, when we, I'll just take a step back and explain the same gesture in a different way, which is in lie detecting. Now, let me just be clear that there's no such thing as a 100% accurate human lie detector, right? That's a thing of Hollywood. Mm. Those are the miracles that happen <laughs> on, uh, on the mentors. So what we can tell is if someone is feeling psychologically uncomfortable with the things that they're thinking or saying in context of that conversation. So if I say to you, Matt, did you take the money, right? I'm going to look to see if you do things that show that you're feeling uncomfortable, right? So- um, if someone is speaking to you I say, Matt, did you take the money? And you say, no, I didn't But you go and cover your mouth while you're speaking Then that would indicate to me That you're feeling psychologically uncomfortable With what you're thinking or what you're, what you're saying
0: The rest of the show is coming up shortly
1: But now a quick word
0: from two of our sponsors That make this show possible So on the 14th of June, I'm attending the release of a research and discussion paper called Unicorns, Gazelles, and Leapfrogs. It takes a look at the South African startup ecosystem and proposes some options catapulting it forward. Developed over six months by Jason Levine and his company Elevation, it covers off the findings from 30 executive interviews conducted between last year, December, and this year, May. It'll be available as a downloadable PDF free of charge, on request, though, uh, but you can do that from elevation holdings.co.za after the 14th of June. Mr. Levine, that's Jason. (laughs) He wants to be a catalyst for conversation in the ecosystem, and will be coordinating some events along with partners like Gibbs and Simadisa to shake it up a little bit. Um, I will be at the launch event doing a live podcast. So if you guys are interested, I cannot recommend checking out the data in this report. Um, It's uh, it's really really compelling. Serious Business is a development company that focuses on building some really amazing web and digital and app products. They are really focused on reducing the time that it takes for entrepreneurs to get into market with a digital product. they built some cool stuff for me so I cannot recommend them enough. If you go to their website, it's srsbsns.co.za. And why don't you take up their challenge of building any website within 14 days? That sounds pretty cool to me. So jump on board and check out their website, srsbsns.co.za. There's also another one I remember many, many years ago. I think if you ask a question, if the person that you're asking the question to, in this case you, if he looks up and to the left, it's recall. But if he looks up and to the right, it's imagination. In other
1: words, he's making up the answer. Have you I'm yet? so glad that there are people out there that believe this stuff. Is it really? Because I got off my Afrikaans homework one day because I, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that my Afrikaans teacher at the time knew this. So when she asked me where my homework was and I gave her the reason, she said to me, well, you looked up into I can't even remember which one she said. And she said, yeah. and so I know that you're not lying. So you're fine. I mean, while I just, yeah. you know.
0: Could easily have got that wrong. Got wrong.
1: <laughs> <off. laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't rely on that ever. Um, I know that there are a lot of things like that, that, you know, left hemisphere and right and you look up there, I wouldn't say that that is a a reliable source of information. I would rather look for, there are specific lie-detecting gestures. We can get into it if you you want to. Um, And that one that I explain of covering the mouth is if someone's feeling psychologically uncomfortable with what they're saying. But if you're sitting in that meeting with that decision maker and you're speaking to them and they start to cover their mouth, that could indicate that they're feeling psychologically uncomfortable or negative about what it is that you're saying. Or, like you correctly pointed out, maybe they want a chance to speak, ask a question, add information, whatever, but you're just speaking so much and they're too polite to interrupt you.
0: What about hands on the head? You know, when you see those guys leaning back and they're doing one of these?
1: I I have a a very um, personal, affectionate name for that. I call it Power Wings. Power Wings. (laughs) Because it's, it's the seated version of having your hands on your hips. Yeah. So for everyone listening, just imagine that you're sitting in a chair and you've got both hands, possibly your fingers interlocked behind your head. And so your elbows are out. And, and it kind of looks like if you could flap your arms, you got wings on the side of your head, right? Yeah, Power yeah. wings. So what power power wings well it's a pet peeve, by the way, of, of many women when they see men using this this pose in business. Um and it's one of my favorites that I that I speak to people about. It, it it communicates one of three things. It communicates that the person using the power wings, when you're in conversation with with you, that person might feel like they know everything, or they feel that they have everything under control. Or they feel that they're smarter than you. (laughs) So, I mean, a year or two ago, I was speaking to a lady who I know in in business and we're actually at her house, we're sitting on her couch. I asked her how a certain project was going and she leant back into the power wings position. And I didn't feel like she was trying to dominate over me or try and position herself as a person of power. I felt that she was just feeling like she had everything under control. And so it wasn't, I didn't feel that I needed to do anything about that. But typically, if you're in a uh, in a meeting with someone and they go and sprout that position, it's a good thing to get them out of that position because body language doesn't only show or communicate what we're thinking and feeling, but the body language that we use can also influence the way that we're thinking and feeling. And so the, the experiment that I do with people in my live talks is that if you had to smile right now, I mean, this is cheesy, but try it right now. Give me a okay, smile, smiling, right? Just right. like this really cheesy smile. <laughs> As chee- and if you're listening, just give a cheesy smile right now. No one's watching. Um, it is really cheesy. Yeah. But you have to admit that it does affect the way you feel, right? Yeah, it does, yeah. So even if it's deliberate or not deliberate, the point is how the body language you use can affect it. So if that person has got their power wings on, they're going to start feeling more dominant over you. Now, if your goal is to influence them, chances are you want to even that playing field. Okay. And there's a few ways you can do that. Go for it. So you can either say, well, firstly, you could mirror them. And we were speaking about mirroring earlier, right? Yes. So let me just bring yeah. that in. You, yeah. could, you, could, you, you could get into power wings as well. Yeah. But just imagine how awkward this would be. Let's just use <laughs> like an analogy. Imagine a headmaster calls a student in and reprim- is reprimanding the student, and the headmaster gets into the power wings position. And then the student gets into the power wings <laughs> position. How do you think that that may... <laughs> it's a bit awkward, right?
0: It's probably not going to work out too well.
1: Yeah, it could actually come across as quite arrogant or, or cheeky, insolent, disrespectful, depending Absolutely. on the context. Yeah. So um, use that sparingly. Also, ladies who are listening to the show now, uh, research has shown that when women use the power wings pose they're actually perceived by other women as coming across a little bit more aggressive. Mm. So unless you want that, just be cognizant of that. But you could say to someone, hey, would you mind to pass me that pen? Now they have to break their position to pass you the pen. Or would you mind to just throw this in the bin behind your desk? Or would you mind to move that? Or whatever the case is, you could just get them to pass you something. Or you could pass them something. Hey, check this out. Or whatever you find around. Um, if that doesn't work, you could just stand up. And just kind of casually pace a little bit. Now, if you had to get into power wings now, and if you're seated at a chair, you'll find that it's not really the most comfortable position. If you're leaning back on like a couch or like you've got like a cool reclining chair, then yeah, maybe that could be comfortable. But the whole thing with power poses is that it's all about dominating and taking up space. And just like an animal in the wild would make themselves bigger, that power wings pose does exactly the same thing. But it's not the most comfortable position if you're sitting up straight. It actually takes quite a lot of effort to keep your hands there. And so if I'm in the power wings position and you stand up and just kind of stroll from side, you know, just kind of pace casually, yeah. I'm, it's not comfortable for me with my head locked in by my hands. I'm going to release my hands.
0: Yeah, it feels unnatural almost.
1: It does feel unnatural. And then, so once you release it and I sit back down, if you get back into power wings, I'm just going to stand up again, right? <laughs> so, you know, you'll learn the behavior sooner, sooner or later. Okay. But there's, there's, so there's various ways that you can get people out of that, um, out of that pose.
0: Okay, cool. So I want to detour and um, we, before we started recording, there was, a, <clears throat> excuse me, there was, uh, we had a chat about, let's see if we can do a live, demo, right? A little so, experiment. Yeah, a little yeah. experiment on a on a live podcast. So this might it may work, it may not work, but uh who, who knows? But we're gonna try it anyway. Yeah. And and I and I want to do this for our listeners because it's it's people I don't think and especially entrepreneurs really understand how powerful reading someone can be. Um and whether that's verbal cues or nonverbal cues or whatever the cues, you know whatever label or bucket you want to use. It can often mean the difference between building um, a rapport and, for instance, like, let's to go back to our scenario about pitching this guy. If you've only got 10 minutes, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can stand up there and waffle all day and he's probably not going to, you know what I mean? Like, how do you maximize that engagement through uh, reading someone and being able to tailor what you're communicating so that you ensure that you can achieve what you want to achieve within that sitting.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll try this experiment. And you're absolutely right. You know, you've got a certain you've got one chance to make it happen. And um being able to read people's body language will enable you to be more intuitive about what they're thinking and feeling, no matter what they're saying. Um I mean you wanna know that if someone says to you, Okay, yeah, it looks very interesting. You want to know if they're just being polite and they just want to finish the meeting or if they actually are genuinely interested. And, you know, when you got these pictures, obviously alongside body language, you also want to be able to use the psychology of influence in how you actually structure your messaging. That's a whole different conversation. But let's try this yeah. experiment, right? And
0: then I want to pick up on the psychology piece. Okay, okay
1: sure. Okay, sure. cool. So, um, I... Um, I we're going to try this puzzle experiment, okay? And I call this the puzzle experiment or jigsaw experiment because I'm going to have you construct a picture in your mind and based on what I pick up, the subtleties that I pick up from you, I'm going to try and determine elements of what it is that you're visualizing and I'm going to try and reconstruct... Um I'll actually, I'll actually draw on paper so you can verify how accurate I'm being. Um, I, I'm going to try to reconstruct what it is that you're, that you're thinking of. Okay. Um, so now, just to confirm with everyone listening, like, you're not in cahoots with me. We haven't pre-set it up where I've told you, hey, listen, I want you to draw a house or a whatever. Like, it's yeah. random, right? I can
0: confirm 100% that Gilon um, has absolutely no idea what uh, I'm thinking
1: all right, good. And you've already got a picture in mind, haven't you? Right? Yes, that's right. Do so you want to change your mind at all? No. All right. I mean, really, this is your. You, are you sure you don't want to change your mind? Uh, no, because it's a personal thing. Okay. All right. Good. So, that, and you've got that picture, of, like really, yep, uh, crystal clear in your mind, yep. right? Yeah. So, I want you to imagine this picture now um on a, a canvas and imagine that that canvas is made up of a whole lot of different squares mm-hmm. and you can visualize that really bright and i want you to kind of explode that canvas up as if all those different squares are just kind of flying imagine the bullets of the matrix they just kind of suspended <laughs> in midair in front of you right okay got it Um, And and don't imagine them in any kind of order. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As you're staring, and just so everyone knows what's happening here, we're on opposite sides of a table um, in body language or nonverbal. We actually call this the competitive or defensive (laughs) position. (laughs) Um, But for this purpose, it's really good because I can keep a close eye on you. So as I'm studying you right now, I want you to imagine, and just keep looking at my face as you do this. I want you to imagine two pieces – Two pieces of this puzzle coming together. That's all I'm going to say. Just two pieces of the. Way. All right. So I can. So this is interesting. You've imagined that in your mind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. So here's something really interesting. Um, what I've picked up from you is that this is probably something quite large because. Uh, you don't have to say yes or no. You can if you like. Um, uh, it is large. It, it it is large, right? So and 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 I'm being quite specific. I'm not fishing for clues here, right? No, you're right. So because w- sometimes if people would think of something quite small, let's say something that they could hold in their hands, often when I say just imagine, I can see the way that your your body is and what. But if you're visualizing this thing in your mind, I would say that this is probably bigger than a person, right? So um, as you're As you imagine those two pieces coming together, something that I pick up from you is that there is a top part of this picture. What do I mean by that? Um, I tried this experiment a few weeks ago, um, and a person was thinking of an airplane. And I, if you think of an airplane that's flying, it's actually quite flat at the top. You know, the front part of it—you would have like the front and back of the airplane. Whereas yours, for some reason, I'm picking up that there's like a top and bottom. So I'm picking it up that it's actually quite a quite a tall thing that you're thinking of. Yep. And um, and I don't know why I've—I don't know this. Wow, this is going to maybe sound a bit kind of weird, but I feel like there was some mind changing i feel like you had to decide what was going to be on those two pieces i don't think that it was immediately clear to you what was on those pieces
0: yeah that's true as well
1: so so
0: (laughs) this is fucking weird
1: (laughs) (laughs) so just imagine here's what in fact here's what i'm gonna do i i I get the sense that there that would be easier for you if there were three pieces that came together Sure. So, um, so imagine three pieces of the, of that puzzle together, right? Now, now based on what you've signified to me, and you've just looked up to your top left, which is interesting. But um, I, w- what what I sense is that there's something there's 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 something of three. At, so here, I'm going to start drawing here, and uh, on, on this, and I'll explain to everyone what it is that I'm drawing on this little piece of card here. Um, I get the sense that there's I'm just gonna draw three circles next to each other because that's kind of what I'm what I'm picking up from you. I'm not sure and I feel like that's maybe like the top of your of your picture, right and 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 I do feel like there's definitely three parts. Um, what I want you to do now is just go a little bit below that and get another three pieces to come together. You see, again, you, I can see you're trying to decide, right? <laughs> so it's not clear so, to you exactly how that's going to come together. Can I tell you why or am I allowed well, to? Uh, only tell me if you think it's not going to give away what you. Okay. Do um, you think it'll give it away? Well, there's... Okay, know. can I tell you what I'm picking up from you? Okay. Here's what I'm picking up from you. This is not, I'm picking up that whatever this top part is that you're thinking of, when I said to you, imagine three more pieces, if I just describe what it was that I was looking at, your eyes shot straight up and you were moving them from left to right and your entire body language became, and now you talk about pacifying effects. When someone puts weight of their hand on their leg because we're seated, so like thigh rubbing is a pacifying effect. So you, you were a little bit uncertain. Should you ensure what, would fit into those three and I get the sense that you probably would need six uh, 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 pieces, right? Uh So what this tells me is that you probably got something at the top and there's three parts to it. I don't know why, but there's three parts. And then at the bottom, I feel like the bottom bit is is, is a little bit thicker than the top bit. Does this make sense for you? Yeah. Okay. Good. But it's not like a, it's not like the roof of a house. No. Uh, in where it's like a triangle, and it's just getting thicker as it goes down. I feel like there's a little bit more. Um, I don't. I don't know if the word structure is to this, but I'm I'm gonna sense that there are two. So what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do here um, is I'm gonna just draw under these three circles that I've drawn. I'm just gonna draw two kind of overly. I don't know. I'm just getting a just getting a feel for the kind of the general shape of what I think you might be thinking of. Um, this probably doesn't make wouldn't even make sense to you. What I've got drawn here almost looks like an upside down paw print, but I, <laughs> you can see that I'm, you can see that I'm getting to kind of like a shape, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I'm going to ask you now to go a little bit further down. So, now I want you to bring in another three pieces. So, just imagine. Now, you're trying very hard not to give stuff away I can see. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're focusing now you know, on that, right? Visualizing. You're visualizing hard. it. Yeah. And so, so, the sense that I'm getting here is that actually the bottom part of this is very easy for you to visualize. Mm. Um, I think that there, there's not much thought that needs to go into it. Um And, and, and I, I think that it's probably around the same width as what the middle part was. Um, And so, uh, but, but it's, yeah. How do
0: you know that though?
1: So you, it's just, I didn't see you changing your mind. I didn't see any change from previously. You just seemed very confident Mm. with that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, so the thing with body language is that you're always looking for changes in body language. So, if I say, "Did you steal the money?" I want to look for changes. Or if you tell me, "Oh, hey, you know, Gillan, that's a really interesting idea. I'm going to pass that to my team and see if they, you know, if you, if there are changes in your body language that either confirm that or show uh, or contradict that. That's what I'm looking for. But when I said to you, imagine the the bottom part. I didn't see much change, which meant that it was very easy to flow from the top from just above yeah. that does that make sense yes it does yeah and am i right in saying that it's about the the, the yes. same the same width yeah, 100%. yeah good you just you seem very confident i feel like there might be a change in that bottom part um but still the same width um so based on what i've drawn here which you can see which kind of looks like a weird sort of um a weird kind of paw print. I don't know if maybe you want to take a picture of this afterwards and when yeah. you post it, you know, you might yeah, want to yeah. post it on your social. But um, when when I look at this, and I think when people see this, they'll they'll, they'll kind of agree, I'm getting the sense that this is probably um, one of two things. If it's something that's facing this way, it almost looks like it could be a helicopter. Do you see that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? But if it's facing... Uh, uh, the other way, I feel like that could land up being some kind of an animal. Um, I think that that would be the head. There would be ears on the side, possibly. So, so if I had to, if I had to um, use a little bit of deduction, I'd probably say that this might be something quite large, uh, perhaps like either a, a, a really big dog or even like an elephant. Because <laughs> <laughs> is it an elephant? <laughs> All right, Please so Matt is now rolling on the floor. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so I'm assuming it's an elephant, right? You don't have to be a mentalist to... Uh, you know why? <laughs> but
0: can I just, for the listeners, fuck, that's insane. Um, <laughs> 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 but um, do you know why it's an elephant? Because that's my nickname. Oh, really? Yeah. So... Do people call you elephant? No, no, it's my, my okay, so the story goes, <laughs> I've never like shared this in the podcast, but basically when I was a youngster, I was watching a wildlife program with my dad, and there was a, um, a tube of elephants, you know, rumbling around the African uh, pride lands or whatever, and I couldn't say elephant properly, so I was going fleffant, fleffant, and uh, my dad called me fleff ever since, but it was based on... The premise that I was trying to name an elephant. So it's the 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 visual for the nickname is an elephant.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. So that's always stuck with you, huh? Yeah.
0: So well done, Jeez, That's nuts, man.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, you could see how that uh, that t- takes a process. So when people say, Jeez, you know, are you psychic? No, it's actually quite an academic, systematic wow. approach. I'm glad that worked. Yeah, me I mean I guess if it didn't, we could have just edited it up. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad me, it worked. That definitely
0: worked. That's uh, that's pretty Pretty impressive, here. Sure. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah. Wow.
1: So, I mean, obviously, that's not necessarily something I teach people to go into a corporate and, and do. But the lesson here is that people are readable. And mm. so, you know, we just, uh, you just got to learn what to look out for. You got to learn what to observe and what body language you should use yourself mm. to be able to trigger certain responses from people.
0: Yeah. I'm still trying to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, we mentioned this, the psychology um, of r- rapport building. Is that the right way to describe it?
1: I'd say the psychology of influence. Okay. There is a psychology of rapport building. Um, you know, obviously, things like uh, uh, active listening, asking questions. If I had to sum up rapport building in three subconscious questions, it would be this. And, and these, and, you know, as a mentalist, as you can imagine, I'm very interested in what people are thinking, even when they don't realize that they're thinking it. And sometimes we answer questions about things, businesses, ideas, people, beliefs, decisions. Sometimes we answer questions emotionally, as well as logically, even if we don't realize that we're answering them. So here, let me give you these three questions. And if you're able to get people to answer these three questions positively in that pitch, just to follow your example, then chances are you're going to positively influence them.
0: Okay. So here they
1: are. They're extremely simple. (laughs) And in combination, they are potent. The first one is, can I trust you? That's what the person's thinking. He's sitting across from you. Can I trust you? The second question that he's asking is, "Do you care about me? Like, are you here just because you want money? Do you actually care about helping me? Right? What are your motivations? Are your it. motives okay? So can I trust you? Do you care about me? And the third one is, can you help me? Are you capable of helping me? Do you have the track record? Do you have the expertise? Um, you know, are, are you actually a resource that I can rely on?" if they feel that they can trust you, that you care about them and that you're able to help them, you are well on your way to getting that business.
0: Okay, because I was actually with, um, with, well, I suppose the one reference that I have for something similar is if you're going to try and sell something to a new client, prospective client, they have to know you, they have to trust you and they have to like you. Those Those were the kind of three that I... I, but yeah. I prefer your versions to be honest, because I think it's more relevant. It's not like a dinner party, you know. Do I know you? Do I trust you? Do I like you? It's like, can you actually help me? Do you care enough? You know, and uh, you know, and so on and so forth. So
1: yeah, and people people are answering those questions about you, all that whether they know it or not. You know, whether they. Um, whether whether it's uh, consciously or just emotionally, and any there's so many things that can answer that. We spoke about heuristics earlier. So the moment you walk in, what is that nonverbal communication saying? Are you are you coming across as an authority, as someone who's a knowledgeable, credible expert? You know that can help answer those questions. Um, what has the lead up before that meeting been like? Okay, maybe you've been dealing with the PA or with someone else, but often, I mean. Here's the best analogy um, that, that I've heard, uh, which has come, I heard it uh, when I went to the States in 2011. Um, I became one of the founding members of the John Maxwell uh, group of, uh, of trainers, leadership trainers. So trust is like having a pocket full with silver change. And every time you do something, that builds trust, you're adding change to that pocket, you're adding silver pieces. And every time you do something that breaks trust, you're taking silver pieces out. So I'll call you back in five minutes, and then two hours later, they're saying that's a long five minutes, yeah. um, you're taking a little bit of change out of that pocket. And so some things take handfuls of change, and some things take one piece of silver out. But when that change is gone, you've lost all trust. When that pocket is empty takes very, very long to fill it back up. So what are you doing just beforehand that's adding change into that pocket? And there are so many things that you can do even before you've you've reached that pitch. So Anyway, so, so the, you know, that's the, that's the trust side of things, you know, the, the caring about someone. If people who just arrive at a pitch and they just, uh, uh, Todd Duncan, who's a great sales trainer, he calls it show up and throw up. You know, you, (laughs) you just get there and you feel like you're on a time limit and you just, like you're you're just putting, like, like you're not listening to them. Yeah. You're not actually hearing what it is that they want, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're doing show up and throw up, which body language gesture do you think you're going to see quite often based on what we discussed? Mm-hmm. You're going to see them covering their mouth a lot, right? Yeah. Cuz they yeah. don't want to they want to speak but you're not letting them. Um and then in terms of you being able to help them, you know, you want to use things like um testimonials, references. You want to be able to refer to solutions you provided for other reputable companies. Um, you want to use everything you can, even the way that you look, everything that will communicate directly or indirectly, that you are a credible expert who will be able to provide a service to them, as well as you actually knowing your topic and being able your, to answer that always helps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, obviously, that's not something that I need to you know tell people. But those th- those are the three questions. Now there are specific principles of influence that will further help to to trigger off you know the switches of people's brains. Mm. Um, so you have got an event coming up, right? Yes. So on the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth of August, and this is twenty seventeen. So if you're listening to this in 2027. 20, you're 10 years too late. Um, <laughs> what what it is? It's called everybody language, and it's it's really it's going to be a quite a cool evening. You know, most of my work is being is being hired by companies to go in and do talks and masterclasses with their staff with their clients. Um, But this is open to the public. because People always say, when can we bring our family and friends? So it's a three-course luxury uh, meal. It's uh, at the Maslow Hotel in Santon. So it's only in Johannesburg for those three nights. And in between these three-course meals, I'll be getting on stage and uh, not only teaching how to use body language uh, in context like business but also uh, there's a huge entertainment factor i'm going to be calling people up from the audience you know throwing stuff into the group whoever catches it like really random stuff getting people up getting them to think of things i'm going to be reading them influencing them so it's that all of those mentalist pieces that you would see me do on tv and and on radio cool like Uh, what we just tried now that kind of stuff pretty
0: much yeah yeah Um, i'd love to be there for sure. Um, just on that, where, is there like a website address, Quicket or something?
1: Yeah, so if you go to everybodylanguage.com, I've got ticket sales right there. There's different options depending on whether you also want to get copies of my book or my body language flashcards. It's all kind of good. Uh, Promotions and and discounted stuff, uh, but you could also just buy a, a seat there. It'll give you the three course meal and uh, and the two hour show in between the in between the meal. So everybodylanguage.com. dot com.
0: Cool, man. Um, one last question: uh, What's in it for you? I mean, why do you do what you do?
1: Wow, you know, it started off with entertainment when I was when I was younger. I did my first paid gig when I was twelve. So I've been doing this for a sure. while. It looked very different to the stuff I'm doing now, but. I get a huge sense of satisfaction being up in front of people and just seeing them enjoy what I demonstrate as a mentalist. So like when you nearly collapse on the floor, just now I get a great sense of enjoyment. And when I have the opportunity to actually teach people these skills and I get feedback from people all the time, saying, man, I used this in a meeting and it just completely transformed my result. Or I just signed off this deal. Or, you know, I get I get all of that feedback. It just it gives me such joy. It's it's significant. I really feel like a sense of mission and purpose mm-hmm. in being able to share this with people. And I guess I'm I'm lucky that I can share this with people in a way that not many people around the world can. Mm. And so that's why I just absolutely love what I do. It's taken me up, presented in uh, around 20 countries around the world um, and met some fascinating people and been exposed to amazing things. So I'm just passionate about the space.
0: Fantastic, Gilan. Thank you so much, dude. That's been completely mind-blowing uh, for me. It doesn't happen every day you get an image pulled out of your head by a complete stranger. <laughs> but, um, but it's been an honor and a privilege, dude, to, uh, to really connect. And I'm sure that uh, the guys out there hustling uh, today's markets will have gotten a ton of great value out of this. So thank you once again.
1: been an absolute pleasure. Thanks. Cool. Cheers, dude.
0: Ciao. So, in news this week about the Matt Brown Show and Digital Kung Fu, this week I was published in Entrepreneur Mag about my journey with the podcasts. You can check out the post on their website. It's entitled, Five Answers from Digital Kung Fu on Why Podcasts Are Your Best Self-Development Tool. But really, it's around sharing insights and lessons that I've learned in the process of building the Matt Brown Show as a global media platform. And off the back of that... I have put together a talk which I'm giving. It's called The Big Red Button Keynote and Lessons from Billionaires, Entrepreneurs and CEOs. And it's designed to give you a new understanding of what makes billionaires, CEOs and entrepreneurs succeed, why others fail and how to make the stuff that you think. Um, I've been called... For some reason, South Africa's answer to Tim Ferriss, I've had people write in to me telling me how much the show has changed their world and the way that they approach life and how the show is just being followed religiously. But the bottom line here is that I really feel it's time that I share what I've learned in the process of speaking to the who's who of business in South Africa and just the guys who are really shaking up the business world. Um, so if you go to my blog, it's blog.digitalkungfu.co.za, you'll find the post there called The Big Red Button and you can find the full details of the talk um, and please, please, please get on board and help me share this message. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to The Mapround Show. It's been an absolute privilege having you with us. And remember, if you'd like more information on Digital Kung Fu or our guests and the full show notes, all you have to do is head on over to digitalkungfu.co.za and you can catch us all over the social media graph. So till next time.